flying sign with Joe Clady. This is Stoic Forge. The next few days, uh, Renee and I both felt the push to get her artwork finished and get it matted and framed, and, and she taught me how to do all that. Uh, we had a lot of work to do, and she had a lot of artwork to get completed, uh, whether it was last-minute touches uh, that she would do or educating me on the, the process of glass, cutting the glass, um, cutting the angles and, and all the math that goes into the matting, um, finding the, the frame that, that best suits um, the colors and, and even just the uh, subject matter of her artwork. And it took a while, and um, we both knew it wasn't going to be easy. So we went next door uh, to her neighbor's, Mike. And like I said before, Renee lived in this um, very old but but beautiful bungalow, just right um, kind of tucked in, in the hills of Hannibal. And next door, her neighbor, Mike, lived in this old church that, when walking in, immediately reminded me of uh, if you're familiar with the Muppet movie uh, when Kermit and Fozzie walk in and uh, first discover the band, the the electric mayhem with Animal and whatever. They had changed this beautiful church with stained glass into like a small little rock club coffee bar. And I think that's what this guy had hopes of this place to be. So he, it was his workshop, uh, but I think he had dreams and of of making it into a, a cool hip place to be, as as most of these churches are becoming now. Anyways, that you have such a, a a beautiful and different architecture that's not just you know a space stuffed into a strip mall that you're able to then transform into um, a beautiful creative space without the bullshit and hypocrisy, I guess of of modern day religion. But that takes me to another point. And I think he would probably share my sentiment as well. Uh, so over there, he was explaining to me more and more about the, the matting and the artwork and just showing me some of the cheats where, when while she was kind of ransacking his uh, materials to get some last minute stuff. And while I was over there, he uh, told me about these homes called Earthships. And for any of you that are familiar or not familiar, they look like something off of uh, Tatooine from Star Wars, or just just um, uh, huts uh, in the middle of a desert. But I guess they can be found in really any landscape. But the pictures he was showing me were in a, in a in a desert environment, and the point of them are to be uh, completely self sufficient, um, reuse old materials. A lot of them are made from. Um, discarded tires and bottles that are um, put together to make a home that if you do it correctly, um, I mean, there's a lot of, I'm not going to say basic technology involved, but there's technology that I think we've discarded as primitive that I think has some true merit to it, uh, that these earthships were, uh, or the the builders at least, were were using to um, have them uh, heat themselves in cold environments, kind of create a green uh, house of like effect, or cooling in the middle of the desert while still using these um, reusable materials. So, anyways, he um, got me connected with a guy out in Arizona uh, that could potentially use me as a laborer. And you know, I told Mike just my story and what I was doing, and and you know, it you, you'll hear about the earthships later on, but it just the thought of having uh, some steady work to where I could work with my hands, because that's what I had done up till this point uh, for work, um, was either a laborer for the excavating company. Uh, I knew how to use a shovel, which is a lot harder than people think. There is a a science and a, and a, and a method to using one of those correctly, uh, and I knew I could do it. Um, so... The, the thought of being able to work with my hands and at least make some money uh, was exciting. Um, so, but it, but it was a hope uh, that I would have to, to, to try and fulfill 
uh, when that time came. Um, but as we're riding around, we eventually leave Mike's and, and, uh, Renee is still on the, the hunt for some more material. And, uh, we have her dog, Freddie in the car with us. And, um, she had just kind of assumed, uh, Freddie from, from someone else. So, you know, she was just being abandoned, left behind. And, um, Renee wasn't going to abandon her, but, but she was going to have to find a new home for her. And I, that dog had just come to love me and I loved her so much. And just a, a small little, uh, lab beetle mix, be, a lab beagle mix. And I, the thought of having a companion seemed so comforting, especially since I knew my, my time in Hannibal was fleeting, uh, and all these new friends and, and Renee, you know, eventually that was about to all go away. Uh, and true loneliness I knew was going to set in. I knew it wasn't going to get this good again. There's no way. And I lucked into Renee and Hannibal two days in, three days in. Um, so we talked about maybe me taking Freddie, and I just, I just couldn't, um, I knew that it was going to be hard for me, uh, and hard for her with, with being in, I mean, I was going into the, the deep Southwest, um, where, I mean, I didn't know if I would have food or if I would get stranded and I, I couldn't put her in that situation and, and Renee definitely agreed. Um, but again, the thought of having someone or something with me, um, was a comfort that was defeating the purpose of the whole thing entirely. Um, so with Renee, like I said before, she was the queen bee of Hannibal, at least in the creative circles. But I think in really every circle, everyone knew her, uh, at least that was in the, the main street shop environment. So we went a little off the the main street area, back around uh, the river uh, to this, I don't even know if I would call it an antique shop, but they had, this man had old antique doors and uh, benches and just, a, you know, just a bunch of what appeared to be ratty pieces of old furniture. And Renee went there just to see about frames and uh, just just catch up with him and let him know that she was going to be moving on soon and just just to chat. And while we were there, there was there were these two women from St. Louis that ran and operated a antique furniture uh, store. And I just by the way uh, they carried themselves and the way they dressed, I could tell they. Uh, uh, they sold those pieces for a lot of money. Uh, they were very, uh, f- very fancy about things, and and they weren't afraid to let everyone know it that they had this St. Louis swag to them. Uh, but Renee and I saw right through that, and so did, I mean she, she just laughed immediately when they started talking to her about uh, the furniture that they would. Uh, commission someone to do and then they would sell it for thousands of dollars to some rich idiot that thinks they're standing out and having this this treasure uh, that cost them thousands of dollars that you know those women kind of took them for a ride but they did say something that still has stuck with me to this day they did have this uh, kid in a candy store like look to them as they were scouring through this man's warehouse uh, as they would pick up old nails and not not like an old like a, uh, you know just any any nail that you would see today they, they were the kind of nails that were like wedges just you know just just real long deep V's and that's how you know that's an old style nail and I pocketed a couple myself and because uh, they're cool and uh, and they just, they couldn't get enough of it. And she said, I feel like a one-eyed dog in a meat market. And Renee and I just looked at each other and just busted out laughing. I think they thought we 
were laughing at them, but I, I thought it was hilarious. And I could tell by the way Renee let out her signature uh, belly laugh that, that made everyone else smile. Uh, I, I could tell she thought it was pretty funny too. So we ended up leaving there, and I think she had a couple of frames. And, you know, again, through the, the course of the next few hours, she walked me up and down the street, um, taking me to into some shops that I hadn't been at, like the tra- toy train store. And this man who gave me a look of, of, like, what the hell are you doing in my shop, to where then Renee comes up behind me in the door. And then it's like, oh, you're with a look of, oh, you're with Renee you know, let's get dinner kind of look. And it was just amazing the effect that she had with these people. And again, that's, there's no way that was uh, immediate. She earned that uh, and, and, and demanded that kind of respect uh, over time uh, because of the kind of um, genuine and kind person that she was and still is. Um, And I've, I would love to have heard more just from these people about how they had come to meet her uh, and their feelings with her over time um, and how it evolved from maybe how they saw her originally to uh, the love that they have for her now. So she ended up uh, having some meetings to, to take care of for her, uh, for her uh, 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 end of the week gallery show. So I wanted to try to play at Rumor Has It one more time. And Sonia, who had been giving me the food and gave me my first shot there, said I could do it. So I sat up in the back corner, uh, and it was a lot more crowded this time. Uh, there wasn't just a few people sitting at the bar. It was it was a packed house, and no mic, no monitors, no no sound equipment of any kind. And I started to play with... Uh, some confidence that was just immediately shut down and, and fell to shit. And I just, and I don't know if it's because I was just not playing. It started off, I was playing fine, but then I was not getting any attention. And then the looks of like, why are you even sitting here playing? Uh, it was, it was just so incredibly awkward, but I, I told her I would do it for an hour. So I just continued to play and I, I got some pity tips, <laughs> I think, just, just because people knew I still had my weird little cardboard sign that was in my guitar case, which I think I, I think I left with maybe 10 bucks, which was, again, 10 bucks for playing guitar, like, incredible. But I, I left feeling uh, disappointed in myself and in, like, how easily my, my confidence fell apart. And I mean, I ended up just lying in, about an excuse with Renee and just left anyways early. Um, but there was this there was this man who was giving me some pity attention. Uh, just this older man. Just I think he must have have played at some point and was like, "Hey, can you can you uh, you take any requests?" And of course, my heart nearly fell out of my ass because of course I don't take requests. I can play like ten songs and then my own. Uh, bullshit songs that I've written that you won't like. I can almost guarantee it. Uh, but he asked if I can play some blues. So I play one of my own songs that's in the key of A minor. And I just, it's, I could just see the look on his face like, okay, well, thanks anyways. And that was the moment I was like, I'm done and made up an excuse and, and walked out. So I ended up just walking with my guitar case down to a couple blocks down to the gallery where Renee was at still setting up and asked me how it went and with a look and an eye roll and (laughs) involuntarily hanging my head uh she knew that it did not go well but you know of course she laughed and said oh you'll get them next time uh so I met with with her and and she introduced me to uh this guy Richie who was probably um, late twenties, early thirties, uh, to start hanging her artwork. Now, Richie had been, uh, he, he worked in the gallery as well for Renee, but he had worked all over the place. There was, a uh, a, a very famous pottery studio in town there that he had helped 
run and operate. Um, and he, he kind of knew everyone as well, but he was a lot more quiet and, um, kind of bitchy at times, but a, a really nice guy and really friendly to me. So we had spent the rest of the night there at Renee's shop, just, just getting everything ready. Uh, so then the next day I did my morning bike ride to the Java Jive down by the gallery and, uh, LA who was the, the, uh, resident banjo player in town, uh, fr- from a distance, just, just plainly just yelled, Hey Joe, and raised his arm as he's just plucking away in his colonial garb. Um, uh, and I felt so uh, a sense of community and, and acceptance, uh, that I had never really felt before. I could tell he respected me, uh, Maybe not just as much for for what I was doing, but for uh, maybe the way I was helping Renee, and maybe the because uh, I'm sure he had his doubts. He loves Renee, and I'm just some strange kid that showed up. That she, I was one of her strays. Everyone kept saying. Uh, so again, this probably wasn't the first time this has happened, and probably not the first time she, uh, she's been burned by it. So I'm sure he was a little wary. But over the course of four or five days, I hadn't done anything wrong. I was helping her, and I think he respected that. Uh, And so again, everyone had, like L.A., uh, she had introduced me to nearly everyone at this point, and I I either got a a head nod or a hello or a handshake, usually at the the go-to spots like the gallery or... Uh, any of the restaurants we went to, or especially at Java Jive by that point, I had gotten to know everyone and was even getting free cups of coffee by that point, uh, which was nice. So again, she had another meeting she had to get to, and across the street, just right by the river from the gallery, there was a group of old people playing church songs, and she just kind of dropped me off there uh, and left me. I don't think maliciously, but it just, she just kind of left me there. And I sat there and they asked me to play with them and gave me the chords. And it was just one of those like surreal moments. Like what, what, what just happened? I was just with her and now I'm playing with a group of 70 year old, uh, Bible thumpers and, and playing the the hymns. Uh, but again, I didn't want to be rude. And, uh, so I sat there and played that for about a half hour till she came back. So I don't know where the hell she went. I'm sure just down the road to just get another frame or something. But she uh, had came back and I was I just kind of gave her a look like, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, sorry. You know, I had to go down there and get that. Did you have fun? You know, with a sarcastic smile. And uh, we laughed and, and shared our uh, our thoughts on, on folks like that. Um, so as we... Are, are getting ready to head back to her house on the drive back. She tells me about her book titled We Are Safe in the Universe. And it was a children's book, book that she had written uh, a few years back. And in, in my opinion, after how she had described it to me, it was um, a, a very comforting book about, I guess, in, in, in children... Uh, in a in a very childlike story, really about the conservation of energy and how everything that we are um, will get a return, and we will come back, and everything will be fine as long as you just um, not believe it, but just under understand it and appreciate. Uh, that it isn't just the here and now it's the forever and after kind of deal. And I was very proud of her at that moment, I guess for, um, for, for had, had, had that she had written something like that for children to, to, to where it wasn't a fairy tale, uh, that, you know, where, where you have to fall into some, gender role or there's this uh, 
obvious villain that, that wants you to defeat, then, then good comes back to the world. There is no good and evil. There is, there is no uh, bad guy that once he's gone, then everything's okay. It just is what it is, and we, we are what we are. And uh, what you believe may be right is not what someone else believes to be right. And many people have died because of it. I don't know. We, we, we shared thoughts about that even just in front of her house, sitting in her truck as we finished the conversation for probably another hour about what uh, uh, thoughts like that have done to mankind over time. Um, the idea of, of a heaven... Uh, the idea of destiny. And again, I began to share a little more about, about what that could potentially mean to me and, and, or at least what it did at that time, uh, when deciding to head West, uh, and how I had a very, um, matter of fact way of, of, of death and what it actually meant, or more importantly, what it didn't mean. It didn't mean I was, I was gone. It was just time to go. And I truly believe that. Uh, and again, she never, she never really said much more about that. She just would just listen and, and truly listen, uh, without really saying much back. I, I think that's the the best kind of advice you can get from someone is just someone that's really listening enough to be a soundboard for your shit. And, um, she continued to do that really through the course of this entire thing, uh, which you'll, you'll hear about over time. So, um, it was time to crank out some shit. So we, and, and she knew it and I knew it. And I, she had employed me in her uh, task to get this thing ready and to get her her home ready and we had been working on this trailer of hers uh that she was going to haul from from uh, art show to art show that she would sleep out of and it was just a giant black like horse trailer that had been like sealed up i it would just help her with her idea but i i couldn't help but say you could cook to death in here and it just things like that that we were doing and i didn't feel like i was actually working i just felt like i was spending time with a friend and and doing crazy odd jobs that some had meaning and some definitely did not uh but this time we knew we had to get this artwork done so she had had all of her materials uh, she had everything that she was going to to have done done. Uh, so through that night, we went down to her basement, her giant workshop full of thousands of dollars worth of worth of art supplies, and got to work. And she put on some music. Uh, we kind of went back and forth on um, on songs from any anywhere from techno to Tom Petty to she introduced me to to boxcar um I played her uh uh helplessness blues by Fleet Foxes which was a very very important song to me at that time and it was it was so much fun I had never been so zoned in uh on something that I knew nothing about uh that much before um and and you know I fucked up a lot when it came to the cutting and the measuring and the matting and, and she just would fix it and just say, well, okay, well here, we'll just take a little more off this way. She would never get mad, never got mad at me. And I was getting so mad at myself that was turning into embarrassment and then into frustration. And she just didn't care. She just helped me make it better. And I, that night was one of the best nights of my life. And we were just working at a common goal together, still pretty much strangers, but at the same time, not at all. We, 
I, I, I felt such a love from her, um, in that moment. And we were, weren't even able to, you know, not even like looking at each other or, or sharing words, just listening to songs that, that meant a lot to us. Uh, and that was enough. Um, so we got everything packed up, uh, and went down to the gallery and did some last minute, um, adjustments and, and hanging. And she had asked me to play for her. Now, after my last experience at rumor has it, I was very wary, but she was like, fuck them. Who gives a shit? Just get up there and play some chords. We'll roll this piano in there and just, just play around. It's, it's really just for the sound. And you don't, if do, do it for five minutes, do it for 50. I don't care. And that, that was nice. That was nice to hear. Um, so I got out my nice outfit, uh, and this was really the, the occasion it was meant to be brought for. And so I'm so grateful that I did. Um, and they were, you know, it was, it was a beautiful event. She, everything had come together over the course of the past week. It was, we were just herding cats the whole time. And I, I, whether it was me hurting her, she educating me, or us getting to coordinate all the random help she was getting in the gallery, it was like she flipped a switch and all of a sudden it was done. And we turned around and the entire wall was was full of her art. Every piece hers. Uh, all her style, all her magic and... Uh, the decorations and and the goodbye Renee and stuff all over the place. It was, it was. I was so proud to be there for her, and and uh, um, I guess be an extension of her in in a way. Uh, and everyone there, uh, I had met at this point. There were probably a good thirty or forty people there, and I I knew them all, uh, and that was thanks to her. Um, and she, by the end of the night, she had sold nearly all of her pieces and she was so happy, uh, that everyone was there. She just felt so much love, but I, but I could tell that she was relieved because she was ready to go home to Tacoma. Uh, so once we got everything cleaned up and packed up, she bought, uh, uh, Richie and me tickets to see a women's roller derby event in Quincy, Illinois, which is back east over the river just a little bit. Uh, So he came and picked me up. Again, I hadn't gotten to know Richie very well, but uh, yeah, he was cool. He was was down to drive. and um, So we crossed the Mississippi just right at sunset, and the moon was full, and it was so... uh, so um, Americana. It was so um, uh, just just American summer in the Midwest. If if you understand, if you're from the Midwest, there's just something so. Uh, I it's just so hard to ex- explain it with with the way the sun sets and the way the moon still is out, um, along with the the flat, which everyone tends to bitch about, but you get to see so much of the sky that in most places is lost uh, because of impaired views. Uh, and here you just, you get to see that those pinks and those oranges and those purples and greens and as it all is bright and bright and then just you see hundreds of colors slowly turn to shades as, as the night goes away uh, or as the night comes and it's, it's so wonderful, but eventually we get there, uh, to the event and, uh, the girl we were going to see, uh, was a, a, a good friend of Renee's who I'd actually met at the event. Uh, she had worked at the Java Jive for years until, um, this man who had apparently been accused of selling all the kids drugs in town. Uh, he was a real piece of shit and everyone knew it. Uh, and he was being really aggressive to the girls at Java Jive. She, he asked for his coffee, 
she must have not have done a good job hiding it, but as she had her back turned, hocked a big loogie and just dripped it into his cup. And he saw and uh, threw a huge fit, demanded that she was fired, which she was uh, not because the the management wanted to, but because they had to. I mean, that's fucking gross, <laughs> but he deserved it. And uh, anyway, so we were going to see her and, she, I, I had, I had never seen roller derby before except, you know, TV back in the day. Uh, but it was, uh, it's quite an event if you ever get to see it. There, there's a lot of rules that go into place that I just was not having a good time or not having a good understanding of, but, uh, it was fun to watch. And, and she was a, a whiter, uh, gal who, was knocking knocking some heads around. She was, uh, they all ha- it, again. If you're familiar, they have nicknames. You get a uh, a certain nickname based on your name or you know whatever you get. She was Ram Skillet, uh, and she was knocking them dead. Some of the other people on her team were like Suicide Sammy. Uh, I don't like like Razor Flower. And I you know <laughs> just. Just uh, uh, a an, intim- an intimidating name uh, meant to inspire fear in the other team, and again, I think it was it was more of the uh, uh, pageantry of it all. But it was cool, and it was it was fun. I could tell everyone there was really into it. But it was at this weird, um, uh, just like go karts and bumper cars and ball pits, and just a big, uh, you know entertainment zone that they were just doing uh, <laughs> extreme roller derby just in the rolling rink to the side uh, but it was cool and I was glad to be there and I was glad to meet her they had, were really cr- close with Richie and uh, they were really glad we showed up I don't think they really expected us to uh, so afterwards we we tried to get into a bar and again not of age uh, at the time and tried the whole forgot me my ID thing like I did with Seth and Laurel, but it didn't work this time. So we just went to Steak and Shake and got to know a few of the girls and got to know Richie a little more. And uh, eventually we left and uh, he was bringing me home and we talked about a lot on the way home, talked about God and life and, and music. He shared stories about when he came out and, um, his boyfriend now and, um, the, the hardships of, of, of doing, uh, doing or, or, or uh, being gay in Hannibal, which I think most could, uh, understand, especially if you're, if you're from the Midwest, it's, it, it's, it's, a uh, it's still kind of a, um, um, it's a different thing here and, and some people still have an issue with it. Um, and he shared some stories about his hardships with that, but how he's clearly one of the Hannibal, um, elites, as I like to put them with Renee and Nancy and, and LA and, and, um, just, just all the people in town. Uh, and as we were on the way home, I, we connected over the gorillas which, again, the gorillas were uh, huge for me at that time. I had rediscovered them uh, recent, or recently at that time thanks to uh, a friend in, in college, Sticks, um, and we would listen to Plastic Beach uh, in his basement and just get so high, uh, but it was just so powerful and and big and, and then even going back and listening to like Demon Days and, and, and Girls the first album and it there's just something um uh to them that we were able to connect about and share and uh he invited me back and, and he said he had it on vinyl uh and me and him and his boyfriend all listened to it. Uh just smoked a little bit and drank and uh it was a true pleasure to have found someone that that uh, cared for 
that band like I did or and then even then to to bring me back to his home and and uh share it even more with me uh I don't know I uh, appreciated that uh, from him and and uh, knew I, again I had made another dear friend thanks to Renee uh, so today was uh the next day was was my last day in Hannibal uh, that night I had come back and and shared the stories with Renee but she was already kind of on her way to bed so uh I would I knew I would tell her in the morning uh so the next morning I had always <laughs> been up and at it way uh earlier than she was um she was always up till three or four in the morning just just painting uh whether it was uh some experimental thing like we had done uh our second night together or if it was uh, some some beautiful masterpiece that she was slowly chipping away at uh, but today she was up before me uh, she had been putting together this box of of <laughs> of Renee stuff uh, just just some would call it junk uh, I'm sure those ladies from St. Louis would call it junk uh, but it was a box of Renee treasure uh, and she knew that I was going to meet a lot of people whether they were like her uh, good people or whether they were bad people that I just had to had to be around which there were definitely those people and she wanted to give me these things not to keep but to trade with other people just items and to where I would at the end of this thing uh, have these these uh, relics these uh, uh, little pieces of of people's past um, and and I, I just felt so rich at that moment to have uh the chance to to have these treasures uh and i i knew that once i was able to explain that to people i think they'd think that was pretty cool too at least i thought that in my head in my naive um romantic suicidal 20 year old brain uh so i followed her in the van down to java jive and um, I got to see everyone before I left, and it was interesting to me uh, over that week uh, how just the the old folks in town would just come to Java Drive every morning and and argue about uh, the current events of of the time and uh, what they would do to fix it and just to to catch snippets of that uh, was always fun and. I I don't know, I had already planted roots here, and I guess that was why I knew I needed to go. I could have stayed another week. I mean, yeah, her gallery thing was over, but she still had a lot of work to do around her house uh, to leave. Uh, but knowing her, she had the help. Um, so as, as I'm sitting there having a coffee and she's off talking to someone else, I see Nancy walk in, who was the lady that... Uh, ran that knitting uh, loom shop and she told me to bring uh, my atlas and so I sat down with her uh, and she helped kind of uh, I got to the the main uh, continental US page to where just with all the the highways and interstates and um, she helped me plot a course as as uh, my lead advisor uh and just as as i worked through the southwest with her and we you know, talked about joplin and uh, uh places around the grand canyon and and uh how to stay on route 66 while still not um giving up any uh any any beauty along the way uh as well as where i would meet uh this this man casey who was uh in charge of the earthships 
um, and wh- where I would go off to meet him. But eventually she told me about uh, Encinitas, California. And there was the temple of, self, of self-realization. Uh, it was a place constructed and, and uh, maintained and, uh, by Timothy Leary uh, before he died. And I knew very little about him at the time, but I uh, had experienced DMT uh, in that in that spring where I was losing my mind, uh, and I connected with her about that, and she's like, "Oh yeah, yep, that's uh that'd be the spot for you then." Um, and I, I'll share the DMT experience uh, later on, but uh, I I had. A map, uh, at least guidelines to follow, and that was the best gift she could have ever given me. Uh, I met this other lady. Uh, her name was Dakota uh, with Renee before, uh, really right before I I drove off. Uh, who ended up actually taking Freddie uh, when Renee left uh, the next couple weeks. And she told me more about the Earthships and and about the the Navajo Indian Reservation and uh, uh, and it, it just just how I should try and get in with them there and I have to be patient but if but if I am then I'll be treated like family which I didn't really know what she wanted me to do if she wanted me to try and uh, befriend the uh, Native American community out there or, or I don't know. She was, I think just trying to, to shed some, uh, uh, words of experience, uh, for me. Um, so, uh, that was nice. And it was, it was nice to meet her. And she gave me a couple gifts too, right before I left. Uh, they were these little soap dishes, uh, that she had made, uh, out of a, a real thick and dense glass that had just a beautiful design in it. Uh, that was like glass on top, but then, uh, uh, like, like pottery beneath it. I, it was so beautiful. And I still have it to this day. Um, and she was such a kind woman to me. And of course, LA's there. And as he's, you know, getting his turn to say goodbye, he kind of takes a peek into the van and said he was jealous of my, uh, adventure and adventures to come, uh, but was, uh, I think pleased to have met me. At least I, I think it was just judging by the firm handshake and, and pat on the shoulder, uh, right before I left and said to, to be confident in my abilities with the guitar. He's like, you have a lot to learn, but it's, uh, you, you can do it clearly. And that felt nice to hear from him, someone who was the pro in town, paid by the city to play uh, for all the tourists. Uh, so it was time. It was time to say goodbye to Renee, which it was just so hard to do. We walked outside, and uh, I had to be not cold but just uh kind of again matter of fact so I wouldn't be hurt and I um just hopped in um to the van just just to to show that I was eager to leave um and she gave me a card that I'm gonna read now that I still have says Joe you are living the dream and searching for real I know if you follow your heart and listen to your senses, your path will open up right right in front of your eyes. Keep on keeping on, and I will love to hear the stories of travel and barter. You are safe in the universe. And I just <laughs> started to blubber. Uh, she had become such a maternal figure. Uh, and she was she was the Buddha. She was this the spirit guide. Uh, um, a, a, a true send off because 
what I had in Hannibal wasn't what I ever thought was going to come my way uh, in terms of a community, especially that early on. I hadn't earned that yet. I had only slept in the van in a public space once before that. And then I had Renee. I don't know. It was uh it was beautiful and, and I and I didn't want to let go of her after hugging her. Uh, and she slipped me a couple hundred dollars and I said thank you and uh and I left and I I got got to a gas station to fill up and just needed to sit with myself for a second uh, because now was something new. It was, uh, there was no more uh, casual bike rides to Java Jive. There was no more jamming with LA. There was no more giggling and laughing with Renee. It was something new and I was terrified about it. I hadn't had to do it in a week. Uh, but that was the point, right? That was what needed to happen. And I'm going through her stuff, the the box of treasures, and uh, I find something that she had slipped in. It, was, um, it wasn't her artwork, but it was a, a, a piece of artwork. It was a ceramic plate that was almost like a burnt orange on the bottom but the the front of it was a, a like a desert sunset scene but very abstract it was just a uh just almost a symmetrical like blue uh at, like almost like a blue sand at the bottom and the sky was just a real burnt orange or a burnt red burgundy color and uh tied to the front of it was a piece of driftwood that looked like a just a, a dancing woman um, or some sort of dancing flowing figure with a with a head and and long hair and, and arms and it was so cool <laughs> and I was so happy that she had given it to me and I I must have made some comment about it in the shop uh, but she had snuck that in the box um, so I was gone. I was gone from Hannibal, driving past everything that I had had seen that whole week. Uh, all the Tom Sawyer shit, uh, Mark Twain's, they just all getting behind me. The sign that said, uh, birthplace of the unsinkable Molly Brown, uh, who was uh, on the Titanic, played by the talented Kathy Bates in that movie. Uh, that was her character. And it was, it was fleeting. It was all, I don't know, just I'm saying it. I, I know I'm going on and on about it, but I, it was, there was just that fear that was uh, really coming to a forefront again. Uh, I had cheated the mission by finding Hannibal. Uh, or maybe, maybe was it put in front of me? I... I don't know, and and that thought had crossed my mind, and then I started to have the the silly bout of of uh, uh, just destiny versus coincidence. Uh, I don't know, uh, but every time I got in the van, I felt this worry, and. Uh, it was happening even more so now. So I had rambled my way to uh, Lake o Ozarks in the Ozarks uh, after about three hours of drive time. And this ended up at this campground. And I was scared, but um, I guess excited for what was about to come. And I knew that I had a friend in Renee to at least be a word of wisdom uh, in a dark hour. And she definitely was that. I'll see you next time.